All right, Carrie Lake posted this on Twitter this morning at 5.42 a.m. with the simple phrase, stay tuned. Let's watch. Reports out of Washington say Carrie Lake is getting ready to run with an announcement expected in October. And she's going to probably run for Senate in 2024. I could totally see you in the United States Senate. What's the latest? Are you going to do it? She's going to do some interviews starting in, what, September or maybe an, uh, an announcement. Is Carrie Lake going to get into this race? Th these are the questions. What's next for Carrie Lake? It is my duty to the citizens of Arizona to stay in. They think that I'm going away. They got another thing coming. Is Carrie Lake getting ready for her Senate run? Let's get into that. Let's hit the introduction and get this show started. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Welcome to the BCP Podcast. Big hug to all of y'all. We appreciate your support in making this show possible. All right, let's get into uh, Carrie Lake and what's going on here. We've got uh, Carrie Lake with this video promoting a potential bid for Arizona's U.S. Senate seat next year with this stay tuned Twitter uh, tweet and video. Now, of course, she is still fighting this lawsuit against the stolen election for governor of Arizona. And she says that she will continue to be pursuing that even if she decides to run for Senate. Uh, by the way, on Monday, Carrie Lake uh, was continuing her fight against Maricopa County to obtain public records and evidence related to her main lawsuit to overturn the 2022 election. Maricopa County refuses to provide the legally requested records because, of course, if they do, it'll prove that the election was stolen through uh, mail-in voter fraud and they will have to kick out the fake Katie Hobbs. Now, Lake spoke with the Gateway Pundit and let her know that she's 100% committed to restoring faith in our elections. My court case will continue to be pursued. And then she said in response to running for or possibly running for Senate and also pursuing the lawsuit for the governorship in Arizona. Quote, I'm a mom and I'm perfectly capable of multitasking. Now, ABC uh, is out there reporting. Carrie Lake is set to launch a Senate campaign next month. Three sources familiar with the matter confirmed to ABC News. One of the sources said Lake has been eyeing mid-October to jump in the race. News of her plans were first reported by Politico. Her entry would mark the latest twist in the race for Senator Kristen Sinema's seat. Sinema, who last year left the Democratic Party to become an independent, has not yet said if she plans on running for re-election, while Democratic Rep Representative Ruben Gallego has cleared a path to his party's nomination. So it's saying that if Carrie Lake or 
when Carrie Lake jumps in. I'll show you in a second how it's pretty, pretty much uh, that's what's going to happen. But when La uh, when Carrie Lake jumps in, she's going to face a three-way challenge next November uh, against current Congressman Ruben Gallego and Senator Kristen Sinema, who, as I said, uh, just left the Democratic Party and will run as an independent. Uh, numerous polls already show her leading in the primary as a potential choice. Lake's team has been uh, attacking both opponents since earlier this year. So it seems like they are positioning Carrie Lake to be an opponent to both Gallegos and Cinema. Uh, Carrie Lake War Room recently uh, recently exposed Cinema's radical left record of voting for Biden's agenda 94% of the time, even though she's a so-called independent. Uh, Carrie Lake War Room had tweeted out uh, just yesterday. Cinema votes for the far left 94% of the time, but every once in a while she gets permission from Chuck Schumer to vote against the party and make a spectacle of herself. The greatest trick Kristen Cinema ever pulled was convincing the world she's a moderate. Uh, and then there's a, they put a Newsweek uh, article from last year showing that Cinema has voted with Joe Biden more often than Bernie Sanders. Uh, Carrie Lake also took aim at both contenders recently. Um, on the 22nd of this month. Biden's border crisis is being enabled by Arizona, by his D.C. rubber stamps, Gallego and Cinema. It's very simple. We need to secure our border to protect America. We don't need any more enablers. We need leaders willing to put their foot down and demand that Joe do his job. So uh, that was in response to a outbreak of tuberculosis that has been reported uh, at the border because we have these illegal aliens coming in and not being screened. Now, of course, if you want to come in legally, you've got to go through all kinds of things and what have you. So there you have it. So it seems like from what Carrie Lake's war room and Carrie Lake herself has been posting to social media as of late, really taking it to Cinema and Gallegos. Yes, she's fighting for Arizona, but it seems like she's positioning herself as a political opponent to both of them for the Arizona Senate seat. We wish her Godspeed and support uh, on both fronts. Really would like to see her to be the governor of Arizona and protect our border. You know, having her and Greg Abbott would be fantastic. So uh, there we have it. Okay, let's talk about some more badassery coming from MAGA Woman. Uh, this one is great. This one's from Eric Trump, President Trump's son, his wife, Laura Trump, who has been very active uh, in the Trump universe on his campaign and what have you. And I think this is absolutely fantastic. Now, if you don't remember or recall or didn't know, Tom Petty's hit song, Won't Back Down, uh, was a point of contention and controversy uh, in recent years because Tom Petty's family had threatened legal action against President Trump for using the song at his campaign rallies. Now, this would have been understandable if they had said they don't, they don't want to be, you know, associated with any political side, uh, but the family resorted to accusing President Trump of racism and discrimination. And now Laura Trump is doing something uh, incredible. What we're getting here is Laura Trump is releasing her first song this week with Mailman Media's new country music sublabel, First Class Records. Uh, Laura's song gives Tom Petty's hit Won't Back Down a country spin 
is going to be released in a few days. Uh, and the pre-sales are already available. By the way, the song already has over 50,000 pre-saves and pre-orders with the release date set for September 29th. Quote, this will likely be our best performing record yet, First Class Records President LJ Fino uh, has said. Mailman Media is the same production team that brought us the Justice for All featuring Donald Trump and the J6 Choir. Uh, by the way, that uh, that reached number one on the Billboard charts and iTunes. And uh, it's also reported that Carrie Lake's uh, hit single with Mailman Media, 81 Million Votes My Ass, appeared on multiple Billboard charts and hit number one on two, bo- two, bill- two Billboard charts. Uh, the song also reached number one on iTunes and number three on Amazon Music. So uh, independent MAGA music is doing pretty uh, pretty good. By the way, their latest single with the Truth Bombers and the Radicals featuring a parody of Eric Clapton's hit Cocaine is also available. Now, Laura Trump was in a studio uh, recently working on the upcoming cover. Uh, this was what was released uh, in as a uh, as a preview uh, a little bit ago. Let me play this for you. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. No, I'll stand my ground. Won't be turned around. Now, I'll be honest with y'all. I'm not a country music fan. There are some songs and artists that I like, but I'm not a connoisseur of the genre. So I've seen some lampooning of Lara Trump and this, which was released uh, a few days ago. Uh, But looks like just yesterday they released a mixed version with some fine tuning. And it does sound pretty good. Especially since that's an actually a pretty good Tom Petty song and it does kind of lend itself to a country interpretation. So here's a preview of the final product that will be released in a few days. All right, good on you, Lara. Newsweek calling Lara Trump's cheap move against Tom Petty, saying that it has been slammed uh, in their culture article yesterday. Lara Trump has recorded a country music version of the late Tom Petty song, I Won't Back Down, and what some have described as a cheap move. So Lara Trump uh, teased the song on her Instagram, uh, and uh, I just played that for you. Newsweek, contact Law Trump by email and Petty's estate by Instagram for a comment. Some people, including political journalist Ed uh, Krasenstein, questioned whether it was appropriate for Trump to have made a cover of Petty's song. It's a cheap move by Laura Trump. Tom Petty's family has up, has asked Trump to stop playing I Won't Back Down and other Petty music at Trump rallies. Uh, now Laura Trump has gone ahead and created a country music version of the hit song and she plans to release it. 
Do you think this is a cute, cheap move by Laura? Do you like her version of the song? People in the replies were divided, with some agreeing it was a cheap move. Why would anyone want to sing or play a song when the original band or singer is so forcefully against you? From a self-respect level, it makes no sense, wrote one person. But another disagreed. No, she is free to do as she pleases. This is America. Now, what's being reported uh, by Gateway Pundit is uh, that Laura Trump doesn't care. Won't back down, Laura says, represents Donald Trump's tenacity and courage, as well as the American people are fed up and fighting to keep this country. Laura also told the Gateway Pundit, I've got no message for the Petty family. I think there's a message to the country that we can't back down and we can't stop fighting for this country. The Gateway Pundit has heard unconfirmed rumors that the Petty family is un- is aware of the upcoming song and they're not happy. So, you know, she has the rights to the music and so she can, uh, you know, she bought the rights or bought a license or what have you. Uh, so she has a right to release it. Uh, good, good, good on her. Uh, I kind of like that. Uh, oh, the song is a great song. Now, this is Tom Petty's family speaking on his behalf. I don't, uh, from what I'm reading here, I don't see there was Tom Petty himself. Uh, but uh, there you have it. Now, since we're talking about the Trumps and badassery, this is kind of an interesting story. Trump admires custom Trump 45 Glock uh, in South Carolina before he spoke yesterday. Trump stopped at a gun store. President Trump stopped at a gun store in South Carolina before speaking at his sold-out event in Somerville and joked about buying a gun as excited workers showed him around and took photos with the president. The president reportedly admired the gun, but it did not end up purchasing it, according to his campaign. So you can see here, uh, it's a Trump 45 Glock, uh, and it's for sale at Palmetto State Armory in Somerville, South Carolina. American badass Benny Johnson tweeted out, I wonder how much a gun is going to go for now that President Trump handled it. I would call and see if it's for sale, but one, I probably can't afford it. Uh, And secondly, it's probably uh, already sold. This is how you do retail politics. President Trump is showing the American people that he will stand for the Constitution and the Second Amendment. So good on Trump. Good on Trump. Uh, Here's him posing with said gun. And being told by the gun shop owner that since you've left, the Biden administration has been terrible for the gun industry. Everyone can't wait for President Trump to come back. And it's not just the people in the firearms industry either. Since since you've left, the Biden administration has been terrible for the gun industry. Ammunition, the pistol race issue. But when you're back in, we need a little help. We all can't wait for President Trump to get back, not just for pistol braces and everything else. Even though President Trump has been a hero of the Second Amendment, I still disagree with him and his stance on bump stocks. All right, so let's get into the stolen election of 2020 and the continued fallout. We know that we have to deal with President uh Trump not being currently in office because the former vice president, Joe Biden, is the fake president and he's ruining ruining this country. Mike Lindell has put his money where his mouth is, has been funding uh, many of these investigations and proof of the stolen election. And now we have this just uh, in as of yesterday. American Express, American Express has slashed the credit line of Mike Lindell's MyPillow, 
by a staggering 90%. This comes after a 50-year partnership between the two companies. Lindell revealed this startling news in an interview with Steve Bannon, where he also discussed the broader implications of this action on his business and the conservative movement at large. Mike Lindell, you guys are besieged, and there's other people playing games too, which I think you will be able to explain to our audience this week. But you're under siege on every different aspect of it. That's why we need people to go to MyPillow.com slash War Room right now and check it out. So, but Steve, we really need everybody's help right now. We have things going on. I'm going to let you all know this week. Uh, one of the things, so I'll give you a prelude. Uh, American Express, I wasn't going to say this. We've been with them 15 years, and we do all of our online marketing and all our shipping with them. Out of the blue, they took our credit line from a million dollars down to 100000 Just cripples my pillow. No reason, no explanation. Just dropped it down last Tuesday. Yet another attack. I'm trying to figure out what to do with uh, with mine. Um, I've got American Express and I got the uh, Delta Sky Miles since I have aging in-laws and parents still in California. And I fly back and forth very often from my new home in Utah to where my family is in California. Very disappointing. It seems like there's all-out war by the financial system against us conservatives. It's absolutely sickening. The scriptures tell us about this. The Bible tells us about the beast system. And this is just another example of the beast system. But it's not just American Express. I mean, we've seen Mike Lindell go through quite a few attacks on the business side uh, against him. And this is just one of many problems that MyPillow and Mike Lindell is going through right now just because of his politics and his fighting for his beliefs about the, not just beliefs, but the actual fact that the election was in fact stolen in 2020. And this coupled with another, you're going to hear tomorrow what this other company is doing. They're in an all-out attack on my pillow, and it's disgusting, Steve. It really is. My employees. Uh, let me let, 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 let me be blunt. Here's why it is. Because Trump's up 10 points, and now, you know, the majority of the American people understand the 2020 election was stolen. And that's Mike Lindell been hammering. Trump's, let me repeat this, Donald J. Trump, on a poll of a newspaper, the Washington Post, and a TV network, ABC, that hate the very concept of Donald Trump and MAGA, have him up by 10 points. And that's the best news for Biden in the whole poll. The rest of it. That's why. That's why American Express. They're trying to. They're trying to debank you. The, the manifestation of it is on the factory freaking floor in Minnesota with my pillow. Yep. They're and coming you know, after Steve, everybody because yep. they understand to destroy. They got to destroy Lindell to destroy this movement. Go ahead, sir. Mike Lindell has had symposiums and and others, and they've come up with a plan, and it's a plan that is going to involve American citizens to make sure that they can't steal the election again in 2024. Uh, Mike Lindell has talked about how this is going to be more widespread uh, within the coming months and a year and the year leading up to the general elections of next year. So is this economic, financial, bank warfare against Mike Lindell and the people before this movement starts? They, they, that, this is all about everybody. We're right over target with the plan to secure our elections. We're starting this fall, this great plan that we have. You got, and, uh, 
they know if they take me out of that, the only way that Donald Trump does not win is if they steal it again through these computers and the election platforms that are out there. We are securing them and they have to try and stop it right now. And they know that. That's why this attack. See, they turned the attack up on my pill this last month and a half, probably as high as it's ever been since all the retailers canceled us. And uh and everybody, we're all praying that they, uh, you know, that we get through this because we have to. We have to secure our elections to get our great real president back in. And the only, uh, uh, the, no? the only way that they're going to win is if they steal it. And I think they've yeah. got a lot of different aspects of how they're going to do it. But Mike is the right. leader of this, you know, melt the machines into prison bars movement, right? right. And that's, that's why right. they're trying to take him out. They're trying to take him out. They're trying to take us out. They stole and the election and took Trump out of the Oval Office. And then they're also trying to take us out with the poison bioweapon masquerading as a COVID-19 vaccine. Something the fake president, Joe Biden, is proudly out there promoting. That he's the one out there poisoning us. And by the way, these mugs are available in our merch store. Here's what Biden just said. You may have noticed a lot of people are focused on my age. Well, I get it. Believe me. I know better than anyone. But there's something else I know. When I came to office, this nation was flat on its back. I knew what to do. I vaccinated the nation and rebuilt the economy. There we have Hitler Joe again. I vaccinated everybody and I rebuilt the economy with a straight face. Even though Bidenomics is an absolute disaster. It's really hard to sell something that people can absolutely see the reality of when they can't afford gas, can't afford groceries, can't afford rent, can't buy a home. Their credit card payments are uh, are high because the interest is high and they're maxed out anyway because they can't afford the other things because of inflation and high gas prices. But you go on, Joey, and you keep taking credit for vaccinating everybody. But you know what? I wish I could say the threat to our democracy has ended with our victory in 2020, but it didn't. Our democracy is still at stake. Don't kid yourself. So we have more work to do, you and I, because our most important freedoms, the right to choose, the right to vote, the right to be who you are, Love who you love. These basic rights are being attacked. They're being shredded because our children should have the right to go to school without fear of being gunned down with a weapon of war. Because the people banning books. Did you ever think we'd be banning books in America? In our, I didn't. Now I know many of you don't like it when I play Joe Biden, but we can't hide from the evil in front of us and put our head in the sand. Joe Biden, the fake president, taking credit for vaccinating everyone and then screaming about gun control. And I already showed you the story about President Trump. Now let's get into uh, the vaccine and let's get into what our children shouldn't be reading. He's talking about banning books. So I use that as an introduction or a segue into the last two stories here. 
The first one is this one. Brian Lupo over at the Gateway Pundit. Uh, he also goes by CanCon on Rumble. Traveled to Huntsville, Alabama uh, last week to, to attend a Focus on America event featuring patriots who are speaking out against the COVID-19 vaccine. And he sat down uh, with one of the embalmers that was in the hit documentary Died Suddenly that was released late last year. Uh, I covered that. We talked about it late last year and what have you. Let's consider this a follow-up, a, uh, uh, a follow-up to that. And what's scary is that we have here in this interview that Brian Lupo did that there are an, there is an increase, an increase in what was being seen last year. Let's get into this. I was in Alabama, in Huntsville, Alabama, and I had the opportunity to sit down with Richard Hirschman. Richard is an embalmer mortician that has seen some incredible things over the last two years regarding clots that started appearing in patients. And we're going to have a fascinating interview here. Now, please bear with me. I am an amateur when it comes to audiology, if that's even a word. And uh, the sound is really kind of muffled a little bit for about the first five minutes. It pro I promise you it gets a lot clearer. So please enjoy this podcast interview that we did uh, last weekend. Now, the audio was pretty rough in the first five minutes, so I'm not going to play that for you. Once again, uh, Mr. Hirschman here was in the Died Suddenly documentary. So they start off talking about what's going on now. And then he kind of goes back and talks about what happened uh, in 2021 after the vaccine, we started seeing these fibrous long blood clots. So I've kind of rearranged some of these clips more in chronological order so we can see what he was seeing back in 2021 and compare that to what he is still seeing now. So we can see that the problem not only has not gotten away, uh, uh, gone away, but it's getting worse. The vaccine is a long-term bioweapon. Around May, April, May, somewhere early in the early in 2021, I started noticing these abnormal clotting issues. We've seen blood clots throughout our, my, you know, I've seen them throughout my career, very familiar with blood clots, but the clots that we started seeing in early 2021 became just different. They're stringy, they're larger, and the most alarming thing is, is they started having this white fibrous texture to them, this white fibrous look. And it's an obvious change in the blood. There's something different in the blood, and I can see it. It's not always this big white stuff. Sometimes it looks like coffee grounds. It looks like just dirty blood which is kind of hard to describe, but it is. The most alarming things is the white fiber stuff, kind of like the stuff you see here. Yeah, I'm looking at this. In some of these um, vials. This is, and, and so you've, you've never really seen this before. No. And in, uh, in 2021, as I'm, uh, as I'm starting to ask questions is before I came public with any of this stuff. I was asking other funeral directors if they or other embalmers if they're seeing it. 
I've talked to embalmers that have uh, 30, 40, 50 years of experience. And sometimes they would actually be in the funeral home. I bring them back to the embalming room and say, have you ever seen this before? And the answer was always, no, I've never seen anything like it. So, of course, it doesn't take a scientific genius to figure out, okay, I've never really, I've never seen this before. All of a sudden, I'm seeing this with more frequency and I'm checking with other people in my industry, in the embalming industry, who have been in, because uh, Mr. Richmond's been doing this for 22 years. At the time, he'd been doing it for 20 years. And he's like, I've never seen this before. So he's talking to morticians and embalmers that have been in the industry twice as long or more than him. And they echo as well that they hadn't seen this. But all of a sudden, they're seeing it and they're seeing it with huge frequency. What changed? Nothing had changed except for the rollout of the COVID-19 quote-unquote vaccines. And uh, the problem is, in the beginning, when I first saw it, it looked, it was an anomaly, right? Wow, that's weird. But when you start to see it over and over and over again, you have to start to question why, right? Something has changed. And I became very concerned. I, uh, in November, people were asking me questions how often I was seeing this stuff. Uh, November of 2021, before I came public, I didn't have an exact answer. So I started documenting it on my computer. Um, and in, right in November of that, of 2021, it was, it wasn't quite, but it was getting close to 50% of the bodies I was embalming uh, had these strange clots. And it remains that today. Sometimes it's even higher than 50%. that. 50%. That means every other body that comes in, you're seeing... Roughly every other body that comes in. 50, sometimes more, sometimes up to 60%. It hasn't decreased, it's increased. And he's keeping track of this. He's He's on his computer, and as a true scientist, he's keeping the data. He's keeping the stats. And overall, it's about half or more of the people that he sees on his embalming table have these clots. Sometimes I'll go through stages wow. where I'll, if I do um, three bodies in one day, uh, I may get all three of them will have clots. And some days I might get maybe two out of the three. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll get three bodies and, and all three of them will be fine. But in the bigger picture of throughout the, the month, if I add it all up, it seems to be about 50. And sometimes uh, I've had I've had sometimes it was it was over 60 percent. But in average, it's it's almost it's almost a given. If I did four bodies, two of the bodies are probably going to have some type of this clotting. So what's the difference between these clots now? their physical makeup and what was normal before the bioweapon masquerading as a COVID-19 vaccine. Some of the bad clots, might, you know, in, in, in the past might have some stuff that we call chicken fat um, mixed in with it, which make the clot a little bit more uh, thicker or jam-like. But even then, you know, they're still, um, they're still not very strong. They're, they're very, um, they fall apart relatively easily, and uh, and they don't hold their structure. This stuff, um, you know, I've got a picture. I've taken two locking forceps, and I'm 
and I clip it on there and I'm holding it. Wow. So it's holding together fairly strong. This is almost, you know, sometimes people say that it, I can't cut it or it doesn't tear apart. That's not totally true. You can take a rubber band and you can stretch it. And you stretch it enough, it'll finally snap. Well, these will do the same thing. Um, but a typical blood clot, you ain't going to hold a, a, a forceps or, you know, some kind of an instrument clamped on it, hanging there. Now, let's move away from the clots and let's concentrate on the other died suddenly stuff that he's seeing. So, obviously, he's seeing these clots with the same or greater frequency than in the past. It's still a problem. But what about, are they stopping? Are they, are they finding these people? Are they getting treatment and then dying? Nope. It's a continuation and an increase of also the dropping dead suddenly from these clots due to the vaccines that he's seeing. Let's hear what he has to say about that. And then we're going to get into what he has to say about some of the other types of humans. That sounds weird, but there's a method to my madness that he is seeing also succumbing to these died suddenly sickness. The died suddenly stuff is happening more and more often where people, um, you know, and, and I don't meet with the families as a trade embalmer, but I do talk to funeral directors and I do hear a lot of the stories, you know, because I'm in the funeral home, I'm, I'm working around these people and not just them. Sometimes it's the removal service that the people that go out to pick the body up and carry it to the funeral. Home. And the, and the stories are, um, you know, they were fine. They getting up to go get a glass of tea or I stepped out to go grab something to eat and bring it back to the house and they've died, you know, not unexpected, just, you know, doing simple things, collapsing dead. Um, and, and, and there's a lot more younger people, you know, it's not necessarily just the 70, 80 year olds. Really strange. So you're seeing an, an uptick in this. Yes, I am. Um, yes, he's seeing an increase of these died suddenly incidents leading to people going to the mortuaries. Okay. Now, what have I been saying on this program for a long time? This is a bioweapon. And this is probably, if we just looked at the data, would suggest that the purpose of this is to thin the herd, to lower the population. It is absolutely a eugenic weapon. And this last clip I want to play for you has to do with the young and fetus frequency or fetal frequency or frequency of these fetal events that Mr. Hirschman is seeing. Absolute scary, absolutely depressing, and absolutely evil, wicked, vile, and demonic. They are killing us, literally, and are unborn. I can't say I've never seen it, you know, somebody that was found out they had cancer and then shortly after they 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 succumbed to the a sudden death or a, a quick turbo cancer. I can't say that that's never happened. But I can say within uh, the last couple of years it's uh it's definitely increased. Those kind of deaths have increased. 
the, the, um, the other one that is an increase that I've noticed are um, fetal demises or stillborns, uh, babies that are, are not making it to full term. Uh, yes, I've embalmed babies throughout my 20 years, 22 years now, but I can, I, I, I just, I, I can see there's an obvious increase in, uh, in fetal demise and fetal deaths. The things that Dr. James Thorpe is talking about, um, there's, there's an increase in death in a lot of areas. There, there, younger people are dying. The died suddenly, which is a documentary that came out not long ago. An uptick in the sudden deaths of young, of the children, and of stillborn babies slash fetuses. All right. I, I, I've got more reporting on COVID, the vaccine, and what have you, which I will report, uh, continue this report on the next episode. But I do want to end with this since I played that Joe Biden clip. If they can't kill our babies, they want to sexualize them. And they use ridiculous arguments to that end. So I played you Joe Biden screaming and railing in his Hitler-esque rant about banning books. Well, now we have this. Remember, uh, remember, reading rainbow, reading rainbow. I can't sing, unlike or like Laura Trump, depending on who you are. Uh, but if you're my age in, the, in your 40s, perhaps a little bit younger, a, a lapse a little bit older, you'll remember uh, reading Rainbow with LeVar Burton. Well, he has signed a letter with 175 other artists denouncing efforts to block children's access to sexually explicit books. And this is ridiculous. They're blaming it on white supremacy. It's white supremacy to not want children to be sexualized. As a black man, let me tell you, if it's a white thing to defend the sanctity, safety, and innocence of children, well, by gosh, I guess I really am a coon, a sellout, an Uncle Tom, an Oreo, and all the other stupid racist things that mostly white liberals call me or have called me in the past. I, I can't say they call me that because I just don't mix with them anymore. I guess I really am a white supremacist if that means defending the innocence, the sexual innocence of children. Other signatories on the letter include the usual suspects, Andy Cohen, don't know who that is, uh, Alyssa Milano, left-wing nut job, uh, has been Ariana Grande, also a crazy, Bill Nye, fake scientist, Chelsea Handler, a whore, a slut, and a nasty woman who has been out there uh, showing how great it is to be an old single has been. Uh, Judy Bloom, you know, Judy Bloom, think about it. I, Judy Bloom was uh, controversial when I was in junior high. Uh, was it at Dear God, Hello, I'm Margaret, can't remember. She had some, didn't Judy Bloom have a book? I remember in junior high, ooh, Judy Bloom had a book. I think it was like sexual encounters of like preteens. So Judy Bloom has been uh, uh, consistent uh, on, on exposing children to early sexuality. Uh, Zoe uh, Dachanel and Ron Perlman. Uh, those last two, I've liked them as artists, what they've done uh, art-wise, uh, but uh, obviously just a bunch of left, uh, left-wing people. And of course, this campaign is being run by the far-left organization Move On. 
They're going after uh, DeSantis and others. Far-right politicians like Ron DeSantis are championing draconian laws to ban books and the teaching of accurate multicultural American history in favor of upholding a homophobic, transphobic, and white supremacist vision of our nation, the group's website states. And of course, the fight has been against the lies of CRT uh, and, of course, them trying to sexualize our children with filthy books. All right, I will be back uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's episode will probably be what you're not expecting. And it was actually made and recorded before I did this episode. So my follow-up and my continued coverage of this will probably be in two episodes from now. But you are a subscriber and uh, a supporter of this program, and we thank you. Uh, We've got more reports and programming for you the rest of this week. Hang tight. Ciao, goodbye. Big hug to all of y'all. We love and appreciate you. God bless. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.